Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today. I hope you have had a wonderful week. Um, unfortunately, I had some sad news this week. Uh, an acquaintance of mine um, had passed away very unexpectedly. Uh, so it really just kind of reflects on that, um, you know, we never know how long we're going to be here, how long we're going to be around. And so, you know, some people say to me, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until this time or I'm going to wait till I retire or I'm going to wait until I'm this or I'm going to wait. But why wait? There's there's no guarantee. We we might not get to retirement. We might not get to that that whatever point that we're waiting for it it may not happen um one great thing that i can say about her is she did what we say here is to live your best life and she was living her best life uh, one of the goals that she had was to go to 40 concerts and festivals uh, before her 40th birthday and she absolutely did that which um is a great thing because unfortunately she didn't make it to her 40th birthday um, so just just a reminder for everybody, um, don't wait. You know, tomorrow's no guarantee. Um, tell your family, tell your friends how much you love them. Um, yeah. But moving on to a lighter note, today on the show we have Simon Cooper. Now Simon is originally from the United Kingdom and has moved to Paraguay. And it wasn't just a recent transition for him. This happened, I believe it was about 20 years ago. So he knows the area very well. He knows a lot of things about it. He has seen, obviously, many changes over the years. So I will have him explain his journey, how he got there, the changes he's seen, and, and what has happened for him. So without further ado, let's get on with it and talk with Simon. Welcome to the show today, everyone. I'm glad you could make it. And today we have Simon Cooper on the show. And Simon is going to tell us all about his experience from moving from the United Kingdom all the way to Paraguay. So welcome and thank you very much for joining us, Simon. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Yeah, pleased, pleased to be here. And I hope I can say some interesting words along the way. I'm I'm sure you you have lots of interesting stories. So let's oh. let's kind of go back to the very beginning, shall we say? Yeah. And what what made you move to Paraguay or even consider it? Because a lot of people, um, when I mention Paraguay, they they always think yeah. like, what? Where where is that and why? It's not one of those kind yeah. of really popular places that people say, oh, I want to move here. Yeah, well, very much with it being one of those where is that sort of places, that was a, the appeal. And back, mm -hmm. I've, I've been out here 20 years. And um, when I first came, there was no guidebook. I mean, how good was that? I, mm -hmm. I knew, oh, well, everything I find was going to be new. But basically, the essence of it is, yeah, I'm, I'm from the UK. I left school, went, went into working in a bank, uh, just, just normal high street bank. That was great for years, but... Towards the turn of the century, it became more of a shop. And I'm more of the, 
the, the mathematical scientific brain. I'm not a salesman, so I was pretty desperate to get out. So nothing I liked in the UK. Um, I was going to just go traveling around the world, but in the back of my mind, I had this thought, if you do that, you'll just see places, but you won't really discover anything. So I flick through magazines, and this this little half a dozen line advert, some some woman was setting up a teaching project, teaching English to children out in the Paraguay countryside. And I thought that, and thought, oh, now that's a bit different. And it says no experience needed, double double good. Wow. So I had a so I had a had a couple of phone chats with her, and I thought, yep, yeah, this is for me. I'll pack in my job. I'll give that a go and see what happens. So I didn't actually meet anybody, any of the other volunteers or anyone that was running it before I flew to Paraguay. So I was flying out to Paraguay and I was all, hmm, I hope it's for real. I hope it's not just some mad person sending people to South America for a laugh. So it was quite pleasing to get to the airport and have somebody waiting there for me, which was nice. And then then two years teaching English and children out, out, out here in the little town of, of Pubibui in, in the Paraguay countryside. That sort of eventually wound to end as these things always do. So back to the UK, still nothing there I really fancied. I had a look at South Africa, but lovely country, but I didn't like the lifestyle, the living behind this business that was, that was all over there. So I thought, mm, go back to Paraguay, give it a try. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, well, it doesn't work out. So came back out here, and well, it seems to have worked out. I found a bit of land, had a house built on it, and been happily living here ever since. So it's not a bad life. That's an incredible story because, I mean, 20 years ago, we even have to think of, like, yeah, there was the internet 20 years ago, but it wasn't nothing like it is now. Like, I think then it was kind of just more beginning phases. There were no smartphones, you know, there, there was, (laughs) you know, there, there was nothing like that. So that was, that really was a, a, a big risk, a big chance that you were taking to just answer an ad in a magazine and then book a flight to Paraguay and, probably there's probably part of your mind thinking oh my gosh I hope this is legit I hope this is okay like what am I going to do if it's not (laughs) plan B was oh I'll just go traveling around South America and just feel feel like a fool for a month or two but yeah I was pretty confident you know my gut feeling said yeah this this will be good this will work out right and it did and it but yeah I mentioned about that. when I first came here, there wasn't even there wasn't even a phone. I couldn't even make phone calls. Wow! And to use the internet, to use the internet, I had to catch a bus into town, mm-hmm. which is only one bus a day, and then go to the internet cafe and hope that that their computers are working. Some 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 weeks they were, some weeks they weren't. And I, I could either do do some emails or I could stand around like like a WhatsApp for three hours, wait for the bus home again, <laughs> and try again next week. Wow, that's. I mean, when you explain it that way, it makes it seem like it was fifty or eighty years ago, but it 
It wasn't. Oh. It was 20 years ago. So. But no, it, it, it was like stepping back, more, well, more than 50 years, it really was stepping back into the pub. I mean, people were still washing their washing by hand in the stream, just banging washing against rocks. That was the way that things were done. And electricity was on some days, water was on occasionally. It was, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like England. No, no, not like England. And so what did, what did your family and friends say when you said, I'm moving to Paraguay and I'm going to teach English in the countryside to kids? Well, my family were very supportive. They've always said, you do what you want. If you're happy doing it and it works out fine, we'll, we'll support you. And they did come out a few years later. Parents came out and they saw this place was for real and I really did have my house, which is good. But as for my friends, I would say they split into um, three, um, into three groups. There were those that were jealous and wish, wow, wish I'd done that. There were those that were interested and there were about a third of them who just thought I was completely mad and stopped being my friends, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it whittles the people down to the ones worth communicating with. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, I mean, so interesting. So you've obviously seen a lot of changes in the last 20 years of, of being there. So what, um, I guess, I mean, I want to say what are were some of the bit, biggest obstacles you overcame from, from moving there? I mean, obviously part of it, as you said, was it was like going back in time many years. Yes. So it's adjusting to the inconsistency of of water of power the internet those types of things what about um yeah. were there cultural obstacles for you to overcome as well um there were cultural differences but i'm i'm pretty flexible so i i i adjusted the way i am i was in, I, I am and always have been eager to learn and discover how things happen so the cultural differences they were differences rather than problems. I just went mm -hmm. along with them and found out a lot more about the country by being open and inquisitive. Of course. So on that side, there was no problem at all. It was it was for me to learn and, and it, it only benefited. Right. And I, I but, think that's true that whenever we we relocate to another country or even just visit, we have to be open and yeah. know that there there are cultural differences and and to oh, me yeah. not one is right or wrong so coming from canada we do things a certain way just because it's yeah. been done that way forever there's really no reason yeah. why and other cultures have things that they do because they've been doing it forever and neither one is right or wrong it just is the way it is but when we're open right, to that yeah. it's really interesting mm -hmm. how much we can learn and and appreciate different things yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look back now and I think, hmm, I, I go back to England to visit and think, oh, that's a strange way of doing this or strange way of doing that. But, but being open, it's, it's very much, it's, it's the way into a culture, taking an interest, adjusting to the way things are done different. And then, then you discover the culture, the, the, the way of thinking of the people, because it all it, it's it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. And so before you moved there, did you speak any yeah. Spanish? Were you practicing or it seems like it, it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that from, you kind of weren't happy in, in the UK. And when you found this ad, like the, the, that time went yeah. quite quickly. So it wasn't really a long process or, or was it from the time you decided like, oh, I'm no, it was it was a few months from finding the ad to packing in the job and being out here. Now, I arrived here with not one word of Spanish, okay. not not even a, a hello or goodbye, nothing at all. <laughs> so, so, so for a while, you know, I was picking up bits and pieces. And even, even now, my Spanish is, I've never had a Spanish lesson. So it's picked up the locals. So I've got the country dialects. So if I, if I go into Assumption, the capital, it often takes people a moment or two to work out what I'm saying. So I've got a country dialect, I've got a country accent, so I don't really speak Spanish properly. I speak it like the people I spend my days with, which is, right. uh, which is uh, I think, better than, than classroom Spanish. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, that's, that happens in, in a lot of countries. I was um, in, in Italy. I, I, I go often, Italy is one of my favorite countries, but I was there, yeah. I think this, in this instance, it was a before the pandemic. So we'll say about three years ago. And I was having lunch or dinner or something. And I was talking to the waiter. And then one of the other tables started to talk. And, and he talked to them for a second and then turned back. And I said, and I was like, oh, what, what did they say? Cause they were trying to talk to me earlier, but I didn't speak Italian. Yeah. And, and he mm. said, I don't know. I'm like, but what do you mean? You don't know? Like you, you're Italian, you speak Italian. They're speaking Italian. What do you mean? You don't know. Yeah. And he said, oh no, they're, they're from a different region. The, the dialect is completely different. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what they're saying. That's and, it. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of Spanish I've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, local, local to this local bit of countryside. Right. So, so that that definitely can happen in in many places. Oh yes. But it's it's adjusting, and and I mean, you just you learn mm. for the region that you're in, and and Indeed, that's yeah. that's great. So, what was for then, and and I'm and the process has probably changed. Um, over over time, but for you, what was the process like for you to get residency there? The process here in Paraguay, it's it's very much collecting bits of the right bits of paper. There is talk of it maybe next year becoming a little bit more complicated, but but the basic gist of it is there's there are various papers you need from the UK from from your home country, and then papers you need to get out in Paraguay, the right one translated, all the stamps on, but it's a fairly straightforward process if everything is lined up. Um, most people have an immigration lawyer to do it because that just saves going round and round in circles. I, I personally, I had one. He was so slow and so dittery. I gave up and I, I did it myself because I had time. I had time to waste. Okay. So I went round all the government offices, round the Supreme Court, and all the officials, they were welcoming, they were 
they didn't care my Spanish was rubbish. They were just intrigued that I was trying to do it myself. And that's what I was gonna say. They were they were yeah. probably just like, he's willing to do it himself. Let's let's yeah, be even nicer. Right. Let's be very helpful because this guy's oh, trying to do it himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a couple of the office, like um, in the immigration ministry, they felt so sorry for me. <laughs> They took me around the back and actually took me into the office and sat me with somebody inside rather than rather than out of the counter. But yeah, so I, I, I got it all done myself and it, it, it's really not that complicated. And then once you once it's all in the process, mm-hmm. 90 days later, you get a residency card and that's valid for 10 years. And then just also well, pretty, pretty simple to then renew after that. Right. Yeah, and I, I find with um, with residency uh, because I, I have a couple residencies, and it's it's having yeah. patience, and a lot of it yeah. is, you know, obviously there's some different rules within different countries, but Absolutely. but for the most yeah. part, it is having your documents, having your stamps, having the right ones That's translated, good. and going yeah. from many offices. <laughs> And then back to those offices and then back again in the right order, which don't make sense, (laughs) but eventually it gets done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's what I, that's what I went for. Round and round in circles. This is this office and that office two or three times round and by back then I had time to waste. I had time to, I had time to time free, but majority of people do get, do have an immigration lawyer to do all the running about for them, and that's that's that saves all that stress because they can then get on with finding somewhere to live. Because right. I fortunately I had somewhere to live before I started that, so I wasn't doing the two things at once. Right, and uh, I'm sure probably immigration wasn't as busy 20 years ago as it is now. Um, just I'm. Uh, making the, the general assumption for yeah. for almost every country. I mean, now, especially, I think even especially since the pandemic, because people can work, yeah. work quote, remotely or from home, um, and that doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be in the city that they're currently in. And so we are seeing a lot more movement, whether it is from inside cities to, to outsides or, or different cities within the same country, but there's a lot more movement of people moving from one country to another country. So I'm sure... Uh, it's it's a lot busier now than it was yeah. 20 years ago yeah. as well. It, here, I, I, I've got the impression that immigration goes, it, it goes in peaks when something happens in something in a certain place where I've had contact with Paraguay, there's a peak and then it goes back in and forth. At the moment, yeah, there's a, there's a huge peak, mm-hmm. which I think is the background to them thinking about making it more complicated. There have been a lot of people coming out of, um, Central Europe, Germany, Austria, Switzerland the past couple of years who have been fed up with Europe and they're just wanting to go somewhere to escape and hide, really. That's really why they, they, they've come here. And, and, and Paraguay's got a lot of open space. Mm-hmm. So there, there has been a huge, a huge spike in Central European immigration. But in two or three years, it will calm down again. Right. It's It's... It's almost like it's like everything in the world where there's I don't like to call them bubbles, but there there's there's the peaks and valleys where everything gets up and it goes busy and it gets crazy and then things kind of calm back down again and then it goes up and gets busy and crazy. And obviously, most recently with the pandemic, people are thinking, oh, well, 
if I'm, if I can work from home or I can work from anywhere, where do I want to be where I'm maybe not yeah. in the city, maybe not in this country where I can have a better lifestyle yeah. that's more affordable. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously yeah. now with the Ukraine and Russia, there's a lot of people that are like, whoa, mm-hmm. we're in Europe. We're pretty close to this. Hopefully it doesn't expand further. Yeah. But and just dealing with that, um, you know, that that's another reason why a lot of people, yeah. like, again, are moving as well. So we're we're kind of at a, a, a peak on on that would have been like the pandemic itself was kind of one peak. Mm. And I think with yeah. Russia, Ukraine would have kind of been a separate peak if they were further apart. But now mm. we're kind of a peak on top of a peak. That's it. Yeah. 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 So that's and that's pushing people to find somewhere somewhere like Paraguay where they've got that space. They can do their work at and when they want it and with without being all the regulations that that, that, that come in your a lot of people have come away wanting to get away from all that regulation right be that right or wrong that's that's been their been a driving force yeah and everybody's as as we say here you know we we like to help people to live their best life and everybody's best life is different, right? Some people dream of going to Canada and they look at me like, you're Canadian, you left, you're crazy. And I'm like, I always say, have you ever been there during winter? Not so crazy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so everybody's ideal and perfect is different and it all depends on where we come from. So I can can see how certain people from some countries think Canada's great, the United States is great, European countries are great because in comparison, they have different opportunities or just a different lifestyle. And then people from those countries are obviously looking at other countries because again, it's a different lifestyle. They're like, oh yeah, I've lived here through this for so long. Oh, I prefer this better. I think this way of living Mm -hmm. is better. And it's just different for everyone. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, from... For some someone from the outside is always going to see a country different to someone that's been there mm-hmm. all along. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get asked, I have, I, I have Paraguayan friends, and it's not unusual to be asked, "Why did you choose Paraguay? What, what is there in this country?" But there's, there's, a, there is an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I've got here. Yeah, green space, open air, nobody overlooking me. It's fantastic. Right. Yeah, and there's there's that saying too that um, people always think the grass is always greener on the other side, which Indeed. isn't isn't true. It depends on how well that grass is watered, which means how well is your own Indeed. grass watered. So, so I guess another kind of big concern that. Um, our listeners would would be curious about is the healthcare in Paraguay. Um, now I know you're you're in the countryside, yeah. so obviously you're you're further away. If um, yeah, ho- heaven forbid you ever like break a leg or cut your finger yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, so so that's a bit different. And then more of the advanced healthcare for if something um, big happened yeah. or you needed regular care from a doctor. Yeah. The- the, the the national um, public health system here isn't great. It's um, it actually during the pandemic they they built a lot of extra add-on buildings, hospitals, expecting an influx of people, which never happened. So all the hospitals have expanded, and they've all got these new shiny bits, which which is only going to be good moving forwards. But for the time being, they are understaffed. They've got 
old-fashioned equipment. So any expat like, like me would want to use a private facility. Every town out here has a private clinic. I, I use that, and that's that's pay as you go. But in Assumption, there are there are a few um, good quality private healthcare centres which take um, which take members. So you, you can pay your you can pay your insurance with them, although you are then tied to one particular institution. But but yeah, it's a case of finding them and making sure that they offer what you need because they're not always quite what they say they are. Right. And there is, there is an issue, there's an issue here out in the countryside with um, doctors not being as qualified as they make out to be mm. or renewing, renewing prescriptions via WhatsApp messages and all of that nonsense like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that goes on. Wow. Okay. So that's another reason the public system is best avoided because it's it's, it's not that efficient. But but private healthcare is still far between. But what there is, mm-hmm. there is there is good care available. Transport into a hospital. If if you say you you break your leg or something, you would have to make your own way there. There's not there's not a fleet of ambulances. You can't call up hospital. Have to come to, to, to come and get you. I mean, I've I've known people here, locals that have broken an arm or something, and they've had to go into town on the bus, on a bumpy bus down down a dirt track, which can't do a broken arm much good at all. So that that has to be thought of. Hmm. Hmm. So some some things to to think about. So note on that: don't yeah. break a leg. Literally, don't. No, 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 I, don't, I don't want to break a leg. Oh, that would be inconvenient. Very, very inconvenient. Um, that I mean, and that's that's a good thing to know. I mean, for for some people who are younger, active, healthy, you know, for yeah. for some, it, that's not going to really be a, a concern. I mean, obviously, a broken bone, yeah. it's hurts and it's painful and and things like that. Yeah. But it would be something. Um, for people to consider if they do have ongoing health problems or or something like that, that Absolutely. they would need to be into the, the capital or, or fairly yeah. close. So, and- yeah, within touching distance of the capital because the, and, and somewhere where they could get themselves into the clinic as mm-hmm. and when because they, they won't be able to phone up the clinic to come and get them. But yeah, right. definitely with ongoing concerns, you would want to know where the health centre was and quite possibly find one which you can sign up mm-hmm. subscriptions with use as and when rather than having to pay the whole the whole fee as and when you use it, which could be expensive. Right. Right. So what is um I try to say one thing, but I sometimes it's really hard to just pick one. But what would be, I guess, maybe one one or two things that you like most about living in Paraguay? Um, the, I suppose the freedom to be to, to be who I am. There's lack of rules and regulations. As an expert, you or even, even the locals live outside um, much much rules and control, it's much freer, much, much, much openness, it's much yeah, open to do what you want in society. Here, it's, it's nice, 
um, children run out in the street and they're playing outside. They're not locked indoors. None of that nonsense. A small one still walk to school. And here where I am, I'm I'm not that far from Assumption. I'm 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 ninety kilometers away. Okay. But I'm up I'm up in the hills, which is well, as much as hills as power what I get really. <laughs> but it means that I overlook uh, um, palm tree covered cliffs, just horizon to horizon, and and behind me there's not a single house. So at night, star filled skies, um, wow. peace and quiet, open space. Yes, sounds beautiful. Oh, and very and very fresh air, no pollution out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how's the water there? Just something that that kind of popped in my head because even most recently oh, with I was living in Barcelona and love Barcelona. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the water there, even to drink, tastes funny. It like dries out my skin, my hair. It's just not. And and for a major city, before I I moved there, I really thought. I, I was under the, like, I thought all major cities would have good water. I mean, coming from, from Canada, I, the, the mm-hmm. tap water there, I was, I appreciate it so much that it just tastes good. It's clean. It, it's, it's nice. Yeah. And I unfortunately most times end up buying bottled water and I hate it because of all the plastic um, in, in Barcelona. So how do you find the water there? Water here is, water here is fine. Underneath Paraguay, there's, there's a huge aquifer. So it's it's water that's been it's prehistoric water. It's it's sealed by a with a clay tap on the top. So it's been there for thousands and thousands of years. It's pure. It's filtered down through the rocks. In the, so every, every all the water comes up from wells and is then piped down pipes. In the cities, it can be a bit bit, bit questionable at times purely because of the number of people that are drawing on the wells and the pipes going through. The state, it, the dirty picks up is from the inside of old pipes more than anything else. But here out in the countryside, my water, it comes from a well three or four kilometres away, it comes down a pipeline. And just, just on the topic of water, um, they just, well, they started building two or three months ago a large construction, it looked like a factory. So I asked around, I said, what, what's that? They said, oh, that's, that's a water factory. Apparently, they're going to tap into the water and bottle it and sell it as mineral water. And that's exactly the same water that comes out of my, my taps. So it's, it's pretty good water. That's, it's, it's great that it's good water. It's not good that they're yeah. building the, the facility. I, yeah. on, on a bit of a of side note that I don't want to get um, tracked onto, is I, I truly believe that water is going to be the new oil. And there's major shortages of water in so many places around the world. Um, So now that like they're going to build and bottle and sell the water, that's just such a bad idea because then local people are not going to have as much access to the water because these companies want it for profit. Yeah, it's it's further down the pipeline. Well, and they're not going into, they're going straight, they're going to put a well and go straight into the aquifer. But yeah, it's the profit from that isn't going to go to local people. It, it'll be mm-hmm. somebody in assumption a bit of profit with that. But on a side note of that, um, it, it's it's it, it is known. I mean, the people have, have got this thought in their head. They've had for years that we've got a lot of water, and there's this fear that Americans are going to fly down with with tanker planes 
and steal and take all, all your water, water. <laughs> take all the water that's that's a room that's been going around for 10-15 years so it is it is a thought it's it, it's it's not something that's that's not thought about Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it, I think it's just mostly too, because we're hearing about it. It just seems so much this year that it just seems yeah. that so many countries, and I know it, it's not just overnight, but it's, it's all of a sudden the media is really talking about it. And we're hearing about it a lot more is yeah. how low yeah. the water levels are in yeah. so many countries. And, and they, yeah. they talk about it, like it's happened overnight, but we've, we've been seeing this go on for a long wow. period of time. Wow. And, and yeah having water is going to be an issue in in some places i mean it's already becoming yeah. an issue yeah here here fortunately because because it's not um reservoir water or rainwater it's water that's sealed underneath underneath clay it's been there for thousands of years it the water levels in the world do go down but during during hot dry spells in the summer then there's strain on the motors and the water will go off a couple of days because they're trying to not burn out the motors on, mm-hmm. on, on, on that. But once once the rains come, which they do, it tops you back off again. So that's not so much an issue here because that's it's good. a different sort of water. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not surface water. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an extra bonus of, of Paraguay is, is having that water, yeah. which is, which is yeah. great. And so... Um, if somebody was kind of on the fence about moving or moving abroad to Paraguay or, yeah. or somewhere else, and they just yeah. really weren't sure about it, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them? My piece of advice would be to be like me. If it feels right, then it probably is. If, because if I've always considered that Look at look at any country. If it's a place where people choose to live, be they locals, be they expats, then it can't be that bad a place. There are places where people have to live and they'd really, they'd really not be there. They'd really rather be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But around here, people choose to be here. So that's always a good sign. And yeah, if it feels right, then at least go out and have a visit and see whether whether it is for you. Right, right. That's mm-hmm. that's a great piece of advice. Well, thank you very much, Simon, for your time. Oh, really okay, appreciate guys. it and loved hearing about your story and, and your journey to oh, Paraguay because it's not, as I said before, it's not a place that a lot of people oh, um, no. have on their radar. Awesome. So yeah. that's a nice thing about it. And long may it stay that way. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And great to talk to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope I said a few interesting words along the line. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, you you definitely did. We really really appreciate it. And again, thank oh, you very no, much. No, 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 no. Oh, that's right.